eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Colleen Hoover is a publishing phenomenon. She is one of the best-selling authors in the world and the top-selling author in the United States. And while she says she didn't set out for fame, she's achieved literary superstardom. In 2022, she sold more than 16 million books, selling more than J.K. Rowling, Stephen King, James Patterson, and John Grisham combined, and even outselling the Bible. She dominates the New York Times bestseller list, once claiming eight of the top 10 paperback spots simultaneously, thanks to her passionate and dedicated following of fans known as cohorts. Hoover has 25 books to her name, including Verity and Ugly Love, with more than 20 million copies in circulation. Her romances and psychological thrillers are emotionally gripping. And now her stories are coming to the big screen. Her most popular novel, It Ends With Us, centered on domestic violence, loosely based on her mother's life, is being adapted into a movie starring Blake Lively. Hoover has inspired an entire new generation of readers back to bookstores. And thanks to her love of writing, her ability to address intimate topics, and her very loyal fan following, it's no surprise that Hoover was named one of Time Magazine's most influential people of 2023. I sat down with her this summer at her Book Bonanza charity event in Texas for an exclusive interview to talk about her unexpected rise to literary fame. I'm Jenna Bush Hager. Welcome to the first episode of my podcast, Read with Jenna. Colleen, I have the New York Times bestseller list from this week. Your books are highlighted. <laughs> if you notice, you kind of dominate it. Do you ever feel bad for the other authors? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, honestly, I was relieved to see there were five on there this week because there have been like six and seven. And I'm like, okay, okay. Um, no, it's, it's it's such an amazing feeling and a little confusing. When you first started writing in 2012, could you ever have imagined this? Absolutely not. Oh, my gosh. No. Like, you know, my goal was to, oh, I hope I write a book someday. And that's as far as it went. You know, I just wanted to sit down, get an idea, write a book. Maybe someone would read it. Um, actually thinking about being having a book that was on the New York Times was not even, you know, in my brain. And beyond your wildest dream. Beyond. <laughs> Okay, so take me back to your childhood. When did you know you wanted to write? Since I can remember, since before I knew how to write or read, my sister, who was about three years older than me, learned how to read and write before I could. And I remember she came home one day and wrote our address on our bedroom wall. And I was so jealous because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know how to do that. I want to know how to do that because I just had all these stories I wanted to tell and uh, I was just super excited to start school and start kindergarten. Like, I remember this and remember 
being excited to learn the alphabet. And um, yeah, so it took a long time. Like I was very disappointed that I didn't get to write my first story the first day of kindergarten. But you did write it a year later? Yeah, I was still five. So I might have been at kindergarten. My first story I ever wrote was called Mystery Bob. And it was about this investigator who was looking for five golden rings. That's all I remember about it. And then years later, my sister cleaned out the filing cabinet to make space for all her awards in high school and threw away all our old stories. So I still tease her about that. Cause I'm like, yeah, can you imagine if I still had my stories I wrote when I was five and six years old? But yeah, long time coming. Ian, you always wanted to do it, but it took a little bit of time till yeah. you started writing. Yeah. So talk to me about why you chose to go into social work and why you were hesitant really to write. Yeah, so I started college thinking I was going to go into journalism, but I um, realized early on that I needed to feed my children because I started having kids young. I married young, and so I was in college while I was a mom and working full-time, and I thought, wow, I need a career that's more practical around where we live, and so I majored in social work and did that and loved it, and so when I was 31, I started writing stories for fun and one of them turned into a, a book. And then that's when everything started with this career. Um, completely unintentional, mm -hmm. but so glad that, you know, I kind of let go of thinking I had to do it for work and looked at it more as a hobby. And I still try to do that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's just fun for fun. you. Yeah, I try not to make it, um, try not to focus on like, oh, I need to write this many words a day, this many books a year, like, I still only write when I'm feeling creative and in the mood to write. And find the joy. Right. I, I want it to remain joyful for me and remain a hobby. I don't <laughs> want to start to resent it in any way because I get so much love doing it. So in 2012, you self-published Slammed mm -hmm. and... You put it on Amazon release so your grandma could read it. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about that. <laughs> so that was around Christmas time when I had finished writing it. And I did, wasn't even looking at it as like a book. You know, I was like, oh, I wrote this long story. Right. I, I wanted everyone to read it. My sisters and mom had read it. And so we bought my grandmother a Kindle for Christmas. It was right when Kindles <laughs> came out. And I was researching on Google how to get a document onto a Kindle and came across Amazon's self-publishing platform. And I was like, oh, I could just load it up here, this Word document, and it will show up as a book on Amazon, and then she can download it. And so that's what I did. And the book ended up on Amazon with just an Amazon like basic cover, like they had templates you could use. And um, and then my grandmother downloaded it. Well, then my sisters started telling everyone else, like, hey, my sister wrote this book. It's free right now. You can read it. <laughs> and after two days of having a book on Amazon for free, they make you charge for it. And so then other people just still kept buying it. Like someone would read it and they would tell someone else to buy it. And four months later, it hit the New York Times as a self-published novel. And here we are. And when that happened? That was in May of 2012. Were you surprised? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Astonished. <laughs> I thought it was a joke. I found out when I was at work that it was going to be on the New York Times the following week. And I, I hung off the phone and I'm like, that that can't be right. That cannot be right. And I remember waiting. I didn't even tell anyone I worked with that day. And I went home and told my mom and my husband. And I'm like, I don't know if this is real. And so we actually waited until it came out on the New York Times before telling anyone because 
I was in such doubt. So in 2012, when you published that book, talk about what your life was like. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it was a lot like it is now, but so very different. I had a job that I loved. I had coworkers I loved working with. Um, but we were very poor. We lived in a single wide trailer house. We didn't have a front doorknob. We had a washcloth where the doorknob went. Like just very, very poor, but very happy. Like, you know, I'm still with my husband. I've been with him since I was 16 and we had three boys and we lived a great life. We just struggled a little bit financially, you know? And um, I feel like other than that, my life is pretty much the same. I just get to do what I love to do and get paid for it. But I'm still surrounded by the same wonderful husband, wonderful sisters, my mother. And I actually took the employees that I worked with at my old job and they work with me now here. So we're all still together all these years later. So I feel like I'm just very, very lucky to be surrounded by people that make me very happy. It seems like that's sort of the key to happiness. People could think, oh my gosh, all over the New York Times bestseller list, right. famous author, people recognize you, but that's right. not what brings you joy. That's not what brings me joy. I mean, obviously I love to write um, and I would be doing that whether they hit the New York Times or not. I started doing it for fun and I would continue to do it for fun. But yeah, absolutely the happiness in my life comes from the people that surround me. I know that your earliest memory of something that happened with your mom really has inspired so much of the themes that you write about. Right. And it was unintentional. And I know if you could take back that memory, you probably would. Right. But talk about that. So my mother and father divorced when I was two. And one of my earliest memories was him throwing a TV at her. Mm -hmm. Like we grew up in an abusive household up to that point. My older sister saw more of it than I remember. Um, but I don't know how she did it with two young girls and, you know, as hard as it was back then, there were no resources for women to leave situations like that, but she was able to get out of that relationship. And then from then on, I just remember growing up with a mother who was so strong and independent. And, you know, I would ask her all the time, like, how, how did you find yourself in this situation? And I decided to write a book about it, inspired by her courage to leave my biological father. And that's It Is With Us, which is being filmed as a movie right now. And, you know, beyond that memory at two years old, I have nothing but wonderful memories. She married my stepfather when I was four, and they gave us a wonderful, happy life. It Ends With Us is a book that people, I mean, it's been on the New York Times bestseller list for 111 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I've never really heard of anything like that, but it's a book that people really care about. Yeah. I think people that maybe have been in hard situations feel seen. So did you feel hesitant about putting it on the screen into the world in a way that people could judge I didn't feel hesitant because reader feedback since the book released is, you know, when are we going to see the movie? And so I, I knew how much readers wanted to see it. And I'm super excited for them to see it come to life on the screen. It's a little bittersweet, though, because, you know, like you said, it's been on the New York Times for so long. But why? Because people resonate with it. And it's kind of a sad subject to resonate with. And people 
read the book and then think, oh, I know someone who needs to read this. Yeah. And that's sad. But, you know, it's been very heartwarming to read how much the book has helped people and that my mother's story has actually given strength to other women to be able to leave that's their situation. Mm-hmm. And so while it's a wonderful thing that I'm excited to see on the screen, I also hope that it has the same effect that the book has had. Mm-hmm. Your fans, um, the cohorts, yeah, co-hosts, whatever, they have multiple names, <laughs> are wildly passionate about what you write, including having a lot of opinions about, <laughs> about what movie. Blake Lively's wearing <laughs> or Blake Lively. Right. Did that surprise you? It does. It really does. Um, just because, you know, like I was hoping when we announced the movie that people would be excited about it. Didn't think that it would spawn all these TikToks about it and, and that people would be so passionate and angry about <laughs> some of the casting choices, some of the outfit choices. But, um, you know, it's like when I wrote the book, it wasn't about the age of the characters. It wasn't about what they were wearing. I don't even think I described any clothing in the book. It was about the message that I wanted to get across. And I think the people that are doing the movie are doing such a good job. The actors are doing a, a phenomenal job. And, you know, like the aging up of the characters was was my fault. Like, you know, as an author, we make mistakes. <laughs> and when I was writing the book, New Adult was really popular. New Adult is college age characters. And that was what I was contracted to write. And so when I was writing it is with us, I'm like, okay, so Lily needs to be like 24. So I don't want Ryle to be too much older. He's a neurosurgeon. There's no 28-year-old <laughs> neurosurgeons. You know, you go to school for 15 years. And so to make corrections to what I messed up in the book, we aged the characters up somewhat. And um, yeah, I, you've seen a few outfits that Lily has <laughs> worn, but she looks so phenomenal on screen. And some of the outfits that she's worn indoors that Lily's <laughs> got the pictures of you are phenomenal. So I love that there's discourse surrounding yeah. it. You know, I do. I think that people are going to be very pleased. I am very pleased. You you think it's going to be awesome? I do. I do. Like, I went into it not knowing, you know, because I got on set like three weeks after they started yeah. filming. And so I wasn't sure like what kind of content they had. And I got to watch all the footage that they had. And it's so good. It is so good. And I'm not saying that because it's mine. Like, yeah. I am probably the harshest critic yeah. of this content. And to see that they have captured the essence of the book and the importance of it is more than I could ask for. I think they're doing a phenomenal job. We can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait. <laughs> Coming up, Colleen shares more on the impact of her instant rise to fame and how her readers have reacted to her books. That and more when we come back. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored, soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. 
Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting at Preventive. So I think one of the things that's so interesting about your rise and the success is it was unexpected. Yeah. You could probably never have predicted all of this. Not at all. And you didn't want, you don't want the fame. So how do you sort of protect your personal life, like keep it sacred and close to you while still getting to write, still right. getting to, to do your biggest you know, joy? It's been a challenge because I haven't been writing a lot because with the rise of everything the past couple of years has come a lot more demands on my time. And so I'm trying to get back to like, how do I organize this? How do I balance everything? But I've always just put everything out there. I've had social media. I've been putting my kids on social media since before I became a writer. So for me, it's never been about, oh, let me promote my books on Instagram. It's always just, you know, something fun happens and I share it. And so It's gotten to be challenging, like, what can I still share without it affecting my family who did not ask for any of this? You know, my kids didn't ask for this, and they're not the type of people who want to be known at all. And so we're all learning to adjust, and we're still learning to adjust. But the readers just, I I can't help but go online and still interact with them. And I love to have cohorts. It's our Facebook group. It's such a positive place. And I enjoy that part of it. And so I don't know that I'll ever be able to separate it completely. I'm just trying to find healthier ways to balance it. Book Bonanza is wild. So wild. (laughs) How would you explain it for somebody that's never been here? Um, I Maybe if you've ever been to Disney World, Comic-Con, things like that, you know, there's just such passion for books here. Everyone's here for this common love of reading and they get to meet their favorite authors. The lines were insane this morning just to get the wristbands and, you know, the signing hasn't even started yet, but it's, phenomenal to see this many people show up and support and it's fun for the authors because you know it's a lot of screen time where we're alone and writing our stories and so to get to be in front of the readers who support that career is it's great Mm -hmm. and this is a passion project for you and your sisters because it's a it's a fundraiser that y'all done since 2018 so talk about what inspires it and how much money y'all raised Well, we started in 2018 with our, actually 2015 with our charity, which is called the Bookworm Box. And it's a 501c3 where we've donated almost $2 million to various charities. Every month we'd choose different charities. We've just always wanted to give back, you know, and um, when we found ourselves in a position to do that collectively, we started working on that. Well, then we decided we wanted to add a signing to the mix and we didn't expect it to become as big as it's become, but the signing itself, I believe, has raised almost a million dollars since we started in 2018. Um, we've donated to various charities, Safe House Denver. We built a school in Malawi with Build On. This year it's going to the Michael J. Fox Foundation and Literacy Foundations. And it's just, you know, something else positive that comes out of this community. Everyone always comes together and supports it. And we couldn't be more grateful. Mm-hmm. And I know your sister's have been such an inspiration for you. Absolutely. Such a grounding force. Yeah. How has it been to work on this with them? Wonderful. <laughs> like, we get along so well. We're very close. Um, my younger sister is our half-sister, so she grew up in a different household. But my older sister 
was always very adamant that we spend time with her and would make sure even like when my older sister was a teenager, she would coordinate flights to get my little sister Mm -hmm. here. And so we've all grown up very close, even though we weren't in the same household and getting to work with them on this is, you know, it's, it's just my sisters are my best friends. My mother's my best friend. And so surrounding myself and having their support in this career, uh, there's nothing like it. And then my little sister is also in the industry. She started designing my book covers and editing my books early on. And so we're all, you know, all have a little part in it and it's wonderful. Mm-hmm. So if you could have looked through a crystal ball and known that this is going to be your life, what would have happened? You know, I'd like to say I never would have written a book because this terrifies me. (laughs) You know, like being on camera, being on stage, being in the public eye, it's like nothing that was ever a goal of mine, but it's become a byproduct of writing the books. And that is my passion. I have absolutely no regrets. But I think I would have been too terrified, you know, not knowing what was coming to see that. I would be like, nope, that's not the life I want. I'm going to continue to do social work forever. But just getting to wake up every day and do what I love to do. And it's my career. And, you know, I might be scared of some cameras and scared of interviews. But to see all the people that come out in support of this, I would do it every day if I had to. You write about such intimate themes, hard themes. And so when readers read your book, they probably see themselves sadly in some of it. So what have they said to you? What have been some of the most touching things that readers have said about what you write? I think just when they resonate with the material, it depends on which material they resonate with. But I always say I write to entertain, not to educate or inform or anything. Like I get entertainment out of my writing. And that's my only goal with readers. I want them to feel entertained, but sometimes I make them cry. And I don't know if that's very entertaining, but seeing that these books that I write with no intentions have led people to make huge decisions in their life, like books really are life-changing. And the more I write, the more I realize that. And, you know, even as a reader, like (laughs) books are life-changing. It's not just a hobby. It's not just something you do as an escape you can read something and not realize you're going to connect to it on a level that makes you, that inspires you to leave your abusive situation. Mm-hmm. You know, they're important. Books are important. We need to stop banning them. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that when you were little, you read Judy Bloom. Oh my gosh. I love Judy Bloom. And you got to yes, meet her. I did. When you were young, did you see yourself in books? Did you find comfort and solace? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I read all the time. I remember our school library, I would check out a book and I would see my name on the library card like three times already because I felt like I'd been through every book in our library. Yeah, I absolutely saw myself in it. I felt like it helped shape my personality. And Judy Bloom was a huge part of that. So when I was at the Time 100 event, I got to meet her. And that was like the highlight of my career, I swear, just getting to tell her thank you. And so I try to remember that when we have these signings, like these people have that same feeling sometimes when they get to meet me after reading my books. And and I don't think it really resonated how special that is until I got to meet Judy Bloom. Coming up, Colleen shares details about her close friendship with another best-selling author and shares her thoughts on the power of book talk, all after the break. 
Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease and a whole lot of love, you transform 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. LED headlights, spoilers, whatever you need. eBay Motors has it at affordable prices. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride. Every time. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you think about what's next, because you've sort of reached this incredible goal. I mean, five of the books are on the New York Times bestseller list this week. That doesn't happen to writers. Right. When you think about what's next, what what do you think about? You know, I just want to continue to write. I don't really have a goal at this Is point it? because it's like I've surpassed <laughs> my goals, obviously, because I just wanted to write a book and I've written 25, but I still get so much enjoyment out of it. I just hope I can continue to do that. Mm-hmm. What's next for me is hopefully writing another book, a mm-hmm. thriller, maybe getting some merchandise out there. We're launching some this fall and I'm hoping, you know, to get that in the hands of the readers because they've been asking for that and more books for me. And so I'm working on it. <laughs> just one day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time. One book at a time. What I really love about you, among many things, is that you've stayed so true to who you were before all of this. You still live in a small town that you grew up in. You're still best friends with all your high school friends. Right. Your family is the most important. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I've always heard that fame changes people. I feel like it exacerbates who you already are. Mm. And so I feel like back then who I was, someone who really wanted to give back and loved reading and loved interacting with people. I, I feel like that's just on a bigger level now. Like my life to me is still very much the same. I just am able to give back now with through the charity and I'm able to hopefully help other authors in the way that so many authors helped me. So it's very similar. Very similar. Very Y'all much still the go same. to Red Lobster to celebrate. But we do. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we live. In the yeah, you don't have anywhere to go. Yeah, Red Lobsters are that, that's our jam. Yeah, we go there for birthdays and yeah. Book talk is a crazy part of your success. Absolutely. Talk about what it's done for you as a writer. Not just for me. Yeah, so many writers. It's like every every time an app comes about, you see like authors and and everyone kind of gravitate toward it. But with Book Talk, it was different in the sense that it wasn't the authors. People ask me like, how did you get your books to go viral on TikTok? And I'm like, it wasn't me. Yeah, It was readers. It was readers. It was the bloggers, book talkers. I think what it was, was people trusted what other readers thought. And yeah. it wasn't like a commercial where authors were telling you, read my book. Totally. And I think that's what made Book Talk so different is it felt authentic and organic and it made people excited to read. 
I think writers, you know, have to be vulnerable because you put your books out and there could be criticism. And you probably have had some criticism. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so how do you take that? Does it hurt? You know, I've always handled that very well. I don't know. I think it's because I understand that it's an opinion. It's art. No one is going to be able to write a book that has 100% positive <laughs> feedback. And so for me, I just have always put my focus in the people that do enjoy my writing because I know there are going to be people that don't enjoy my writing. And I try to think my readers. I try to interact with them. And if people don't like what I write, I just try to avoid that yeah. side of it. And, you know, I don't go seeking that out in any way. I don't want to read it, mm -hmm. but I get it. It doesn't bother me at all. Mm -hmm. I feel like when you have five books on the bestsellers list, it's very hard to be upset in any way by criticism because it's like, you know, that people are out there enjoying your work. And um, I just keep my focus on that. Mm -hmm. And they, they resonate for sure. Yeah. I feel like you still have some sort of imposter syndrome. Absolutely. You still, even with five books on the New York Times? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I am my own worst critic. So I think that's why other people's criticism doesn't bother me <laughs> because what I say about my stuff is way worse than what they could ever say. Um, I don't know. And, and I don't do a lot to try to combat that because I feel like it makes me continue to want to try to do better and be better and write more inclusively. And I just never want to get to the point where I feel like I'm as good as I can be or that I'm doing a great job because that's the point that scares me. Like I want to continue to strive to make every book better than the one before it. I love that. You've had such great mentors in your Absolutely. work. Absolutely. Including E.L. James, yeah. Erica. Yeah. How has she helped you and how does that inspire you to therefore mentor all of these writers that are here at Book Bonanza? You know, I've been very fortunate and that I got into the book world when E.L. James's books were starting to get really popular. And so we became friends way back then and I was able to watch how she handled her criticism and she handled it with such grace and kept her readers first. Like, her readers are number one. She has always interacted with them, has never, you know, felt like she got too famous to to do any of that. And she's just very grounded. And so I've always looked to her and, and she's been very supportive of Those other are, authors. You know, when anyone has a release, she's out there being one of the first ones to share it with the world. And so she's taught us all, like, it's not a competition. I want to do that as well. And I want to support my peers. And so Book Bonanza is a way to give back and do that. And we have almost 200 authors here. And yeah, I love that I was able to follow in the footsteps of some really great examples. What's a perfect day for you? Perfect day for me is being inspired to write, but that hardly <laughs> happens. Like, that's a rare day. So I would say just chilling at home and watching Bravo. I'm a huge Bravo <laughs> Housewives fan. And I have a glass of Diet Pepsi, <laughs> hanging with my kids. Like, yeah, I'm just a homebody. So sometimes you still sneak into your local Walmart and Target and sign books. I do, yeah. Um, it's really fun for me. And sometimes I'm scared to ask permission, so I'll do it sneakily. But yeah, last year at Book Bonanza, E.L. James and I we had to run some errands before Book Bonanza started. And so 
we went to Target together and decided to go on the book aisle and sign our books that were in stock. And we wanted someone to video it so we could put it on Instagram. And we asked this lady who was looking at books if she would record us signing books. And she was recording. And then she was like, is it okay that y'all are signing <laughs> these random books? And we were like, oh, we wrote them. And so she had no idea. And then she freaked out. So we got pictures with her and it was it was a fun time. But I, I try to do that anytime I stop at a bookstore. And I know all of the indie bookstores too, they get sell your books. They're so great. They're so great. And it's still like imposter syndrome and scared to go in and be like, do you want me to sign my books? Like, I'm scared they're going to be like, no, we don't sell very many of them. <laughs> and then you hear the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're great. They're so great. So I, anytime anyone ever sees me at a bookstore, I'm kind of shy. So maybe the bookstore staff should be like, hey, sign these books for us. I'll do it. I'm just scared to ask. So, Tell me why you write. I write because I have to. I think it's my therapy. It's what I enjoy doing. It feeds my soul. I think I would be writing whether anyone read what I wrote or not. If that little girl who was mad she didn't learn the whole alphabet on day one of kindergarten could know, if you could say one thing to her about what life is like now, what would you say? You are going to be so happy. <laughs> so happy. I loved chatting with Colleen and, of course, loved meeting up with her in my home state of Texas. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, please give Read With Jenna a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Make sure to tell your friends about us, and new episodes drop every Thursday. The fun doesn't stop here. Want to join our Read With Jenna community of book lovers? Head to today.com slash readwithjenna to find our monthly book list and to sign up for our newsletter. You can also find us on Instagram at Read with Jenna. This episode of Read with Jenna is produced by Alexa Kosovecchia, Christine Morea, Kate Saunders, Abigail Russ, and Julia Plant. Our associate audio engineer is Juliana Masterilli. Bryson Barnes is our technical director. Missy Dunlap-Parsons is our executive producer, and Libby Least is the executive vice president of Today and Lifestyle. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.